Hey all, it's your co-host Nick here with Psychedelic Passage, and I want to share what our organization does and how we can help you on your psychedelic healing journey. We originally started Psychedelic Passage to give folks access to psychedelic therapy within the comfort of their own home. And in the process, we realized that most people have no idea what they're looking for in a guide and they don't know which providers are qualified. The consequences of sitting with an unqualified provider are dire. There are lots of self-proclaimed facilitators out there who simply don't know what they're doing. And unfortunately, facilitator abuse and ethical violations happen regularly in this space and result in lasting psychological impacts. To solve this, we selectively curated a network of providers all over the U.S. who operate with integrity. This allows us to help you as a client by advocating for you and your care without a conflict of interest, screening facilitators on your behalf to ensure they know what they're doing, and holding facilitators accountable for their actions, so you have peace of mind that the provider you're matched with is in good standing. Instead of searching through hundreds of unvetted online provider profiles, you can simply book a call with us and our concierge team will take into account over 20 different variables to get you matched to a trusted facilitator who can provide treatment in the comfort of your own home. We want to give you the confidence that you're sitting with the right provider for you. No matter where you're at in the psychedelic therapy journey, we're here to help. Simply click the link in the show description below to book a consult and get connected to a trusted provider today. Welcome to the Psychedelic Passage Podcast. My name is Jimmy Wynn. I am your host on another weekly installment on a podcast where I hope we are talking about uh, relevant, interesting, curious topics about psychedelics. Thanks for those who have found your way to this podcast. If you are new to this uh, here with us, welcome. And if you have been with us for a while, I am uh, just so grateful that we have an audience, a community, a, a an opportunity to uh, communicate and dialogue with you in a way that I hope is meaningful and relevant to your psychedelic experience. I, I was playing around with this word of like dialogue in my mind, and that's so much of the energy that I come into this, you know, podcast with, even though I acknowledge that most of the time, it's probably myself or the psychedelic passages, fellow co founder, Nick, just kind of ranting about about topics. And ultimately, it does feel like a dialogue, because I hold the belief that at the end of every digital channel that this podcast comes out through, that there's a person there who may benefit, who may uh, listen to the podcast and be just a little bit closer to making a decision that's meaningful to them, or maybe just leaving with a lot of curiosity or questions. And so, uh, my goal and intent is to uh, help to evoke that, help to um, stoke that fire in your own discovery on how psychedelics may play into. That's striving towards a more meaningful life, that life that is defined and suited to you. So thanks for being here. I really do mean that. Today's episode, we get a question around this probably every day. We, we get this question quite frequently. 
And the the topic is around this question of should I microdose or should I macrodose? And I hope that in our episode today that we get to frame up this this, you know, kind of decision, this juncture for folks getting to talk through some of the things to consider, maybe questions to ask. And, you know, ultimately, my goal is to to hopefully like reframe this decision in a way that uh, makes sense and is a little bit more actionable for folks. Um, So let's dive in. Thanks for being here with us. I think the microdose or macrodose, first and foremost, uh, happens to folks regardless of your experience or history, you know, with psychedelics. I will say that these are the kind of like two different ways that we perceive uh, psychedelics and altered, you know, states of consciousness. But when I think about, you know, psychedelics using plant and fungi medicines, in a psychedelic context, I actually zoom out and just think about that just from almost like uh, like like a herbalist, you know, context and sharing that, you know, there's lots of different ways to engage with plants and fungi. It just so happens that in our society, which is a little bit stripped away from the the history, the human history of psychedelics that likely spans back probably a couple of thousand thousand years, knowing that that gap in knowledge uh this is just what is what makes sense on how folks can can approach um psychedelic work and so I'll, I'll unpack this thought you know a little bit later but you know i think it's important for me to speak in the context of like this is how our society views psychedelics and so there is a, a context in which we should look at this most of the time when folks are thinking about microdosing or macrodosing uh, the orientation is about like what's in it for me what's the best for me? What's the best, you know, for for my life or my condition or my circumstance? And though I think that that is a very vital process to discover and go through, I offer that there might be a broader lens in which we look into the why and the how we engage with psychedelic work. So one of those things that I'll, I'll acknowledge is that regardless of which route or which option you take, both microdosing and macrodosing psychedelics have variability. Both options and routes have unknowns. Both require planning and support. Both require some internal resourcing and a readiness to address, process, or confront some things that might be going on internally or that's really alive in inner life. And so what I'll be talking through today is almost like a list of questions and considerations, things to ask yourself. And all of this is is kind of under this umbrella of, you know, compassionate inquiry, um, which is a tool that, you know, a lot of, of facilitators, psychedelic practitioners use in both, you know, preparation navigating psychedelic experiences and then also the integration process. Compassionate inquiry uh, clearly is not specific just to psychedelics. I think that that is, uh, can be viewed as a mindfulness tool. I think that can be viewed as a, uh, a mental health tool. But I think that it, it's really helpful here as you start to ask yourself these internal questions and start to focus on these internal considerations, having a little bit of 
inquiry about that, I think, speaks to like curiosity. I think that that's a really, really important framework in which to, you know, look at this. And then the other part is just having some compassion. And what I mean by that is for many folks, there can be a lot of pressure on, well, I want to do psychedelics right. I want to get it right. Like I want to make sure that I'm doing all of the things. And that can cause folks to to be a little bit almost overly hypercritical about themselves. And so that's where I think this word like compassion, which is like, how do I really feel into and understand what I need? without judgment in a way where I can have a little bit of compassion for myself as I am inquiring or having a curiosity around probably these really challenging things. You know, most people who are engaging with psychedelics, especially if you're new to psychedelics in this modern era, oftentimes are feeling stuck in some way. Oftentimes there's some work that they want to do or maybe some obstacle or roadblock that they want to move through. And in that, you could be a little hard on yourself. And so, you know, I'll just share that, you know, this framework or this thinking of compassionate inquiry, I just offer you to just keep that in the back of your mind as we're talking through all of these considerations. So enough of my pontificating, we can get into uh, some of these considerations here. And the first one is, is so, honestly, it sounds obvious and easy. We hear this all the time, but ultimately, I think that there's a lot more nuance to this, which is to really consider your intentions. In considering your intentions, it's also important to to think about the context in which those intentions live. So um, I'll give you a little bit of an example. I think that your decision on microdosing or macrodosing is very dependent on your intentions. If you are maybe wanting to Explore psychedelics just because you're curious, then that carries a little bit of a different intention as opposed to if you wanted to dig into your history and maybe try to process some trauma, or if you wanted to, you know, engage with psychedelics in a way where you can show up differently in work, life, family, you know, whatnot. Those different intentions kind of have different uh, gradients to it in which the context of that is also considering your internal landscape. So questions like, you know, what's my emotional and stress resilience like internally? Do I have any tools that already exist for me to navigate a psychedelic experience? Uh, what's my life content? What's, what are my relationships like? What is, what is my work like? Do I have, uh, you know, stress in this area? Do things feel relatively, you know, spacious for me right now? Even considering things like your trauma history or, or, or some of the things in, in your past. And so as you think about all of your kind of internal parameters, I think that this is really important as it relates to intentions, because you might feel like, I got some some of these big, hairy, audacious kind of pieces of content that I want to work through, but I don't feel like I'm equipped for it. I don't feel like I have the tools and skills and frameworks in which then it would be very clear for me to recommend to somebody like, hey, you need a little time to probably develop some of those things before you go into a full-blown you know, psychedelic experience, which contains a lot of mystery a lot of, you know, not just like audiovisual hallucinations and things like that, but, you know, elements like ego dissolution and, you know, some other pieces. And so 
that can be really challenging and overwhelming for folks if they don't have the right tools, skills, and practices, mindfulness practices to be able to, to navigate that. Something else that I really think about is considering your psychedelic history, maybe even without psychedelics, just your experience with altered states of consciousness in general. If you felt like you've ever had an altered state of consciousness, some ones, for example, some folks experience this through yoga, some folks experience this through breath work, through transcendental meditation, some folks experience this through dance. Some folks experience altered state of consciousness when they are performing music, art, acting, you know, something like that. So I'm just trying to think about, you know, what is your general experience navigating and engaging with altered states of consciousness? That's more broadly. I think if you drill that down a little bit, I think that there is uh, a factor of your own psychedelic history and, and experience in that too. For folks who are maybe more recent psychedelic users, maybe there are folks who have had a little bit of experience in the past, you know, a, a few decades ago. I find that, you know, easing yourself into the process via microdosing may be helpful. That's certainly not for everybody. And we'll talk through a little bit more about these parameters that uh, might make sense because I also acknowledge there are some folks who are like, no, I want to roll my sleeves up and I want to do the work and I want to really dig in there, aka that's a part of your intention. In which case I would say, okay, well then let's really talk through, you know, potentially a, a macrodose experience or something like that. Broadening out, I'm kind of going through this list from a place of like starting internally and then moving out and out and out further and considering the other, you know, aspects of, of your life which is to think about the context of your life, your life stability, your busyness, how demanding your life is. Are there, are there needs of, of your family or other obligations? Are you feeling overwhelmed? There's a lot of folks who have a lot of change in their life or folks who have a lot of, you know, big decisions, you know, coming up. And so you can see how not only like timing but that more broader like context of your life can play into this. Let's say, let's say you're at a juncture in your life where you're like, okay, I'm kind of, I feel like I'm entering, I'm leaving one chapter and entering into another. And so potentially having a large dose experience just feels like that is some sort of like a rite of passage that might help me to transition one in, into the other. I think some, a thought process like that potentially has merit. If you are maybe in a more, I guess, like stable position, you know, in your life and you're like, yeah, I, I feel like things are, are generally, I'm pretty content with my life, but I just want to find more ways of, you know, exploring my mind or uh, be more creative or be more expressive or expressing more love to my family, for example, then I'm like, okay, microdosing or macrodosing could potentially serve and help in, in those aspects. But you can see how the context of your life, it plays such a big influence and, and, and factor into this. And I think by extension of that, when I'm talking about the context of your life, I also think about considering your support system. You know, are there people around you who can support you in this process? Or is this something where you're feeling like, ah, uh, Nobody's really going to understand my interests and desire and what I want to do. So I'm kind of out there on my own to try to figure this out. 
I think that that makes a huge, huge, huge impact on your consideration on whether you should microdose or macrodose is really what your support system is. I'll, I'll kind of pause here to say, and I think folks have heard me say this in past episodes, you know, before, but psychedelics, no matter the quantity and dosage, are, you know, some of my favorite words, potentiators, and they are also non-specific amplifiers. That does speak to a little bit of this like variability, and I'll, I'll just kind of focus on, well, no, I mean, I think this both plays into to microdosing and macrodosing, where if you took the same quantity of dosage on two different days, one year apart, that doesn't guarantee that you're going to have the same experience because so much of it is contextual. You know, we talk a lot about set and setting. I'm talking a lot about your, you know, internal state and your life condition. And what that speaks to is that they're kind of embedded in, in psychedelics as a certain sense of variability, which I think about this word like potentiate. So what that means is that there is a potential for a process to elicit or, or, or occur. Um, that doesn't mean that the process is guaranteed to happen the whole time. I know in our life uh, here in America, especially when we're thinking about substances and medications and medicines, that we want a level of consistency. If I take this substance, I have a assurance that it's going to feel like X and then, you know, Y is going to happen. Psychedelics doesn't work like that. And what I what I want to share with folks is that regardless of whether you're microdosing or macrodosing, this potentiation process and this non-specific amplifier process is readily available. It can happen for both microdosing and macrodosing. So what that means is that because of this variability, because of this, you know, sense of of venturing into the unknown, it's really unclear what things get amplified in any specific moment. I've had microdoses where I felt very sharp. I felt very present. I felt very attuned. I felt in flow. And some of those aspects felt amplified for me. Conversely, I've had microdoses, same dosage, very small amount. You know, normally I'm doing 67, 68 milligrams of, you know, psilocybin in some format or another. And there have been times where so many emotions started to well up and, you know, rise up through me that completely tanked my, my work day and my ability to show up in certain conversations or to show up, you know, for others. And I think that no matter how much research that's going to be out there, maybe one day they find some scientific reasoning on the variability of that. I think that it's something worth considering. You know, I I come from the philosophy and the belief that psychedelics deliver experiences that you need in the context of yourself and your life in that moment. Sometimes that stuff is really challenging. Sometimes that stuff is really hard. So I want to just dispel this myth that, oh, microdosing is easier and that large dose experiences are, are harder or that a two gram macrodose experience is somehow easier than a five gram, you know, macrodose experience. It's really not linear on that, you know, type of a scale. So, so I wanted to to take a second to to mention that really quickly. I'll also kind of frame this up in somewhat of like a, a tangible, you know, aspect, meaning that there are just some 
tangible components to consider, you know, as a part of this as well. So, you know, what we always try to say on this podcast is to try to deliver actionable, tangible information. So let's get tangible, you know, a little bit. Microdosing and macrodosing, they'll both, you know, require planning and support. The way that that planning and support goes looks differently. So, you know, when I'm thinking about uh, that aspect, I'm thinking about, okay, do you have access to a facilitator or a person that you know and trust that's skilled and equipped to help you navigate a really, really deep altered state of consciousness? If you do, that continues to open the door for a macrodose experience. If you don't, then that's something else to consider. Can you find that individual? And over the past, you know, four, almost five years of our work at Psychedelic Passage, that's really been our core mission, which is like, how do we connect folks in a direct way to somebody who might be of service to them through large dose experiences? If you don't, then that might also be uh, something that might lean you a little bit more closer to, you know, microdosing. What I find as one of the pros of microdosing is that you can generally start and stop that process with very little uh, negative interruption or disruption to your regular life. Some people think about that, you know, symptomatically, but I'm also just thinking about like cadence of life. If I was microdosing and then I stopped, there's not a lot of disruption to my life. However, the psychedelic experiences can be like that where you can, uh, large dose psychedelic experiences, of course, where you can have a large experience and it may be a little bit harder to adjust back into work or the, the rigmarole, you know, of life or, you know, all of those things. And so just knowing how powerful these medicines are, there can be a lot of, uh, of a potential for like a disruptive nature to our life, especially for folks who have a lot of content or have a lot of history or need to do a lot of, you know, in, internal work. It's now a whole other conversation on whether our society and our friends and the people around us can create a container in which that's healthy and supportive for us. And I acknowledge that that can be very, you know, limiting to folks. Other more straightforward logistics is like, can you take time away? What's your budget like? You know, are you able to take two to three days off of work? Are you more privileged in which you can maybe take, you know, seven to 10 days off of work? If that's the case, then you may be more open to exploring a large dose experience, a ceremony, or um, even like a retreat style setting where maybe you're going to travel for a few days. I think your budget is also very important. What I often find is that microdosing, though the work is just as important as macrodosing, the the hours and time it's much less intensive from a a support standpoint. Um, I I'm actually really proud of our microdosing guides, which which we have on our e-commerce store. I think by the end of that, we ended up writing like thirty something pages of content. Where there now are a lot of folks who are, you know, taking a little bit of a do-it-yourself approach with microdosing and then getting support maybe here and there, somebody to advise on dosage or somebody to, um, you know, talk through content with or talk through things that are coming up. So I find that microdosing ends up having a little bit more of like an approachable piece. It's, it's, it's oftentimes easier to tune into your life, what's going on, uh, less repercussion, starting, stopping, 
needing to interrupt the process, you know, whatnot. And I think it's just um, something that folks can access a little bit easier because the, I was going to say that the stakes are lower, but that's, that's probably not the right word. I just think the entry point is a little bit more accessible. I think when folks think about large dose experience, there can be a little bit of this like trepidation, this fear, this like, oh man, like I'm about to step into something large. And though I think that that's, that's true to a degree, I just know that the nature of how I feel when I'm thinking about, you know, starting microdosing again after taking a little bit of a break is much different than when I'm thinking about doing like deep, deep high dose medicine work or psychedelic work after taking a break for a little while. I think other things as far as this tangibility is some of this comes down to your style. And like, I almost use this example of like a, like a, 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 what's your learning style that can be somewhat of like a parallel analogy. Some people thrive well in intensives where they're, you know, meeting for a weekend or a week or in there are some accelerated course and they're able to like condense and pack in and process a lot of information all at once. A lot of people just like that. Other folks prefer for things to be spread out, incremental, over time, to give yourself a little bit of spaciousness and room for you to uh, work through whatever processes come up in, in the psychedelic experience. So I think that part is oftentimes a little bit overlooked because we're in this paradigm of like, what's the most effective way for me to engage in this medicine, right? It's like much less of a question on oh, well, how, how's my learning style or, or what's my style of engagement with life in, in general, you know? So just something to, to consider there. The other thing that I think is really important is to consider your own risk tolerance as it relates to outcomes. So I think I spoke about this before, but what can I do if this experience is disruptive to my life? There's a lot of the language and, and the conversation out there about like, how do I avoid a bad trip? How do I keep from having a challenging and difficult experience? And time and time again with psychedelics, it's actually those experiences to me that end up being the most meaningful in my life, for sure, in a lot of work with my clients. Now, that's not to say that non-challenging experiences aren't meaningful. I just think that there's worth consideration on like, do I have a landing space if my experience ends up being disruptive? If it ends up being disruptive and I need to take a little bit more time away, or I need to look into having more regular therapy, or there is a, a trip or something that I'm planning, a uh, vacation, something that I'm planning that's coming up. And now I'm like, man, is it right even for me to go? Or you have more demands at work. And you're feeling like, ah, I actually need to take time to like work on my process. But then there's that little bit of, of a tug and pull. All of those things can factor into, you know, this domino effect of like that disruption being really, really hard to navigate. And I'm talking about like after the psychedelic experience. So that's a lot of consideration, you know, what the list that, that I just gave folks. And Ultimately, this uh, circling back to what I said about the first one, which is like considering your, your intentions, this last part that I'm going to share is obviously simple. And, you know, of course, we hear it all the time. It's really important for you to listen to your intuition. And I think that, you know, you can have like a cognitive approach and process to this. You can 
be tangible and look at all the things in your life. And ultimately, what I always go back to is that you know what's best for you. You know the season and the reason and the timing in your life on whether microdosing is right or wrong for you or whether macrodosing is right or wrong for you in that moment. And I think that for many folks, they look at psychedelics very objectively and we kind of forget that there is this like intuitive piece in there. I have felt this before in my own life where, you know, I'm microdosing and things are going well and, or, you know, I'm working through my own process. So there's another part of me that's like, hmm, I feel like I need to like do a kind of a deep dive. I feel like I need to kind of crack myself open a little bit. I feel like that's right for me in this process. And there are other times when you might recognize, or at least for me, Mm, that might be a little too much for me right now. I don't know if I'm biting off more than I can chew if I'm stepping into a large dose macrodose experience. Um, sometimes I talk about like listening to the wisdom of the medicine before you're even uh, consuming it, where I felt for, for sure for me over the past, you know, 12 months plus where the mushroom is like, mm, you're going to have to pause a little bit. I don't think a large dose experience you know, is is for you right now. And it's a little bit hard to define that intuition. I know, especially for folks who may have experienced trauma or things in their life, or maybe they're second guessing that intuition, or maybe they're feeling so disconnected from their body or their intuition or their emotions that it's hard to, you know, find that connection. And the the next part that I'll share is hopefully in an effort to relieve that a little bit, which is that setting this decision up between microdosing or macrodosing is actually somewhat dualistic. I think it sets up this nature of, I got to pick one or the other. I think what I'm talking about in, th- in this conversation is really more about what's right for me in the moment, which means that both options are on the table because microdosing and macrodosing are actually, in fact, complementary. They have a relevant season in your life. There are times when you need to take a break on one, like I mentioned, and there are times where exploring the other option makes sense. Another way that I think about this is microdosing and macrodosing to me are two paths on the same route. They have different highs and lows. Maybe I imagine if you're hiking, there's maybe a different gradient, you know, at times and a different elevation gain or, or loss. These paths diverge, these paths interconnect, Uh, some paths are more suited to some based on their experience, based on the tools, based on the things that they brought with them, and some are more suited to others based on, you know, for example, your experience with psychedelics. And so I, I really challenge you all to consider and think through these things. This is by no means any way of a, you know, comprehensive list. And, you know, I understand that even after all of this, you may be left unsure, or maybe left with uh, more questions and curiosities that you need to discover. But I do hope that this is a, a, a primer for the exploration of this process, talking to other folks and, you know, your friends, family, colleagues, talking to you know, folks like our concierge team at Psychedelic Passage, these are all good ways of kind of gaining 
anecdote, gaining insights, really getting to understand what all of the potentials are of a psychedelic experience. And ultimately, all of those things can influence your decision, but they're not really a replacement for the decision itself. Later on in a few weeks, um, we'll also talk about the interplay of microdosing and, and, and macrodosing and hopefully a little bit more tangibility around how that looks for folks and some best practices that, that folks find. So uh, I'm kind of giggling with myself because you've heard us say on episodes before that really this is the It Depends podcast. You know, when a lot of folks are talking about or asking questions about psychedelics, a lot of responses that I go back to is like, well, it, it depends. It really depends on, on a lot of different things. The funny thing is that just by framing it up as microdosing or macrodosing, you're kind of limiting yourself when you think about it in just like one or zero. Do I microdose or do I not? Do I macrodose or do I not? And very much so, it's it's complex. I find people doing both simultaneously. I find people who are consistent microdosers feeling ready for a macrodose experience I'm finding people who macrodose regularly, maybe they have one, two, four psychedelic large psychedelic experiences through through the years. I find those folks also need to take take a little bit of a break from those large dose experiences and lean into microdosing a little bit more. So uh, thanks for listening. I, I do hope that this is um, you know something that can inspire you to continue to discover and ask questions. And just know that there are people here to chat through some of these options, ourselves and our wonderful community and team at Psychedelic Passage being being one of them. Um, speaking of that, I'll take a little bit of time to read a couple of testimonials from our a consult team. This one individual said, I felt the call was valuable. It's great that the call taker had done the research on my meds prior to the call, and that was very helpful. I'm reading one. Oh, here's another one. The consultant was knowledgeable, open, neutral about the subjects discussed. I like that documentation was shared up front to help me decide what path I want to choose. And, you know, I think that we live at a time now where uh, psychedelics have gained a lot of interest, but at the same time, there's not a lot of pathways and not a lot of clarity on okay, what's the right thing for me? There's a lot of ambiguity, I think, within the psychedelic space. And I hope that these conversations can hopefully shine a light into that process and hopefully define that a little bit better for you. So that wraps up our episode today. Thank you so much for being here. So, so meaningful to get to share this time and space with you. You get to find our, our podcast anywhere that you normally get podcasts. Usually that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We also upload these videos onto YouTube. Just know that our team is here at psychedelicpassage.com to support you in any way that we possibly can. And I wish you all uh, just so much wellness, so much care coming from me, just a lot of compassion at any stage that you are in your life and your psychedelic process. And I look forward to tuning in with you next week. Thanks.
I am excited to share a new offering that can be found on our website, psychedelicpassage.com, which is our digital store. We here at Psychedelic Passage are constantly thinking about ways to enrich the intentional psychedelic process for our community. And now with this digital store, you'll be able to find preparation guides, integration guides, and recorded workshops that are typically only available to our clients. We hope that this is an exciting offering and we look forward to adding more content over time. So check out the link in the episode description below or visit our website, psychedelicpassage.com. And we are very excited to expand our service offerings to the greater community.